Welcome back to Two C's with a pod. Had to get my my pause in there last week, Matt, because you we were so tight on time. Yeah, I wasn't able to get that in. So yeah, I sometimes to... we gotta yeah we gotta move sometimes. But here yeah. we are. We got all the time in the world. It's Friday. It it is, man. We're recording on a Friday because you um, I I had to call HR on. I had to call our talent acquisition. Get him in here. Yeah. And really to keep you from making any more HR just violations. Faux pas, you might say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an call HR. Them faux pas, but I, I don't, you know, faux pas I, like an accident, man. You do this uh, stuff on person. I'm uh, an HR nightmare. Always have been. So today we're talking about the great resignation uh, and some other labor issues. And I know that most people are when they see the title of this, of the great resignation, they're really going to hope that we're both resigning and this yeah. podcast is done. Definitely. It'll uh, be our... what our topic is. Yeah. The topic's about this thing going on right now called the great resignation. We've got some unionization of Starbucks. And then, of course, uh, you know, it's the the week between the last week of the NFL playoffs and the first week of the, uh, sorry, the regular season and the playoffs. So you get a lot of coaches firing. So we figured a man that is top 1% in the world at talent acquisition needs to come on and talk to us. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, making his debut on two C's with a pod. And I know it won't be the last time he's on Mr. Kelly Howerton. Kelly, how are you today, man? It's good to be here. I should, like, I should probably have some like paper rustling since I'm HR in the background for you guys. You know, <laughs> it's, all, it's all HR is paperwork, right? So yeah, I've got exactly. paperwork. and Matt and I are on our best behavior. Bunch of red tape and paperwork, and that's right. Yeah, no, we love HR. God, we've had right. complaints about you. Too. I mean, we we dress to the dress code. We uh, all that's that right. stuff. Yeah. We I was just having a conversation about that. I mean, that is one thing that really has changed in some ways too with the work from home um, concept, right? And so many folks have been, you know, working from home, and like, do you have to dress, you know? appropriately work-wise when you're working from home like if i'm on a zoom do i need to have a collared shirt and things like that you know and so yeah there's so many topics to talk about in this great resignation um just the the new kind of work reality we have now you know is, is interesting yeah so kelly just kind of from an, a high level what do you so you work for a real company in addition to us <laughs> yeah um, you work for a real company and in talent acquisition. Mm -hmm. So kind of similar to when we had Troy Reed on about the supply chain, we actually want somebody that does this day to day to kind of come in and lend a, you know, we hear a lot of stuff on Twitter and we have our own, our jobs, our experiences as owning a business, you know, and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, somebody that's working with a day to day, actually trying to find people, what are you seeing just with your organization and you know your peers that you talk to what what are you seeing out there as far as hiring people leaving you know that type of stuff i mean it's a it's a double-edged sword in a lot of ways it's a vicious vicious cycle that we're kind of dealing with because you have on the one hand um you know uh we've all been sort of you know the business has been held back most businesses have been held back for the past year and a half whether it be from a little like you said a supply chain perspective or business growth and we've been kind of you know most companies have been waiting to to move one way or another now they're ready to move uh so we're trying to increase our workforce and find those people which are incredibly hard to find especially in your you know manufacturing positions manufacturing world things like that 
Uh, but then you have people who are needing to change that work for you that are going to retire, uh, that are that wants to have, you know, that have been in a situation where they have been stuck in a role, they can't move up. They're in a senior or a lead role and they want to make that manager, but there's no manager positions. Well, guess what? There's plenty of positions out there that, uh, you know, that those other companies are looking for people. And so you're dealing with, you know, people leaving out one door and trying to get people in the other door. And it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a difficult cycle right now. That's for sure. What would you say are the, so on this thing that's been titled the great resignation, what would you say are the key reasons why people are leaving? Is it money? Is it they don't like their role? Is it they don't like their boss? They don't like the company? Their life has changed? What, where would you say are the, or it's a combination, you know, it's never just one thing, but what would you say is kind of the the commonalities that you're seeing with people leaving and then also coming into your organization? I mean, I think that it's, uh, to be honest, it's all of those. I mean, I, I think it, it, depending on what organ, what, what area you're in, in the market, what, uh, you know, what, what kind of industry that you're working for, I think all those things have an impact. I mean, I think the, 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 the change in, uh, you know, lifestyle, I think is one, I see that a lot The people that I know that, you know, ha have worked in industry for a while and now have the opportunity uh, to do something different. Um, you know, I think, I, what would I say? I, I think I read that uh, it used to be before uh, 2015 that one in seven jobs are work from home, or sorry, one in 67 jobs are work from home. Now it's one in seven jobs that you see online is a work remote situation, which is a drastic change in the past just couple of years. So I think that's done a number um, I think pay, um, every, obviously everyone's competing for talent. So I think that, you know, you're, you're drastically going to see pay go up in every industry that we are a part of. Um, you know, I think that's a, a big one. Um, you know, and I think the boomer retirement was, uh, I think that was one of the things that people didn't necessarily expect to happen this soon. I know, you know, it's been one of those conversations in, in you know, in retention and employer retention that you know i think every company probably does that they look at their uh you know um retention plan look like okay we've got you know 16 people in this uh department or this uh function that are probably gonna retire in the next five or six you know ten years or whatever so i think that the, that retention plan has been in place but no one really expected like this this to happen with the uh with COVID and the uh lifestyle change and work from home change that um i think people that accelerated that fire a little bit. And I think that we had a lot more boomers leave in, in the past year and a half than we ever expected. Um, so I think that's probably it. But yeah, lifestyle, flexibility. Um, I know there's been a lot of people that are, are moving out of places, like just to use an example, not to pinpoint, but like California, affordable housing. I think that people are moving across the United States for affordable housing, moving to different areas, moving back to where they're from. I think that's probably a, a reason for leaving certain markets. So um, yeah, I think it, it's a hard thing to pinpoint because, like I said earlier, I've read so many articles, so many articles come into my inbox on a daily basis, and I read them, and I'm like, I just read this article, like, two times this week. It's the same <laughs> thing. Someone reworded it the, the opposite way. You know, someone was better at writing and, and, you know, had a better creative writing class, you know, uh, you know that, that year in college that they didn't need to do anything, but... I mean, it's someone that just started that job up, right? <laughs> yeah. Like a new, there's all these new positions in journalism, you know, and things. And, uh, you know, all all fields are kind of feeling it. You know, my uh, my field is definitely, you know, probably in its lowest it's been in years, you know, when it comes to teaching, um, you know, and, and the next kind of part of this title was the union piece, you know, and I think um, workers 
on in some ways have probably you know lost rights in some ways in in a in a kind of historic fashion in the last you know 50 years or so and i think what's happened at least what i've noticed and if you, if you agree let me know you know or if you disagree like i just think people are starting to see the power in labor, you know, and in those jobs again, you know, and so what they're starting to do is want to organize, want to demand more things and look at, you know, again, switching, switching the playing field a little bit, you know, and so do you see that from workers as well, you know, or is it just, you know, kind of employers blowing it or how, why is this happening? And Kelly, after you answer, I have a, I have a few comments. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, so yeah, l give me some, give me some room after that. Cause I have things to say based on, on Matt's question, uh, but please, I'm going to be a good, well, I good mean, host and know, please let you go. That was definitely a political set of question from, from <laughs> after, that was for sure. Um, Matt, but Kelly, I'm saying, I mean, if, I, I'm not that I don't agree with you in some ways. It's just, you know, I, and I was talking to you guys earlier. It's just, uh, um, I, I think that. The essential worker, which is at the core of what we're talking about, right? The essential worker for years has been something that's definitely been overlooked. I mean, not to get like into the political or getting into numbers or, but like the minimum wage. I'm looking at the minimum wage it hasn't even raised, hardly raised in the past 20 years, barely raised. And so um, I said this a while ago. I was having this conversation, uh, one of those fire pit conversations with friends, and, and, you know, that makes me sound like I'm like in like, you know, Nantucket. You know, <laughs> I did not mean to sound like that. Um, <laughs> Was but, it on uh, your yacht? We were overlooking the Caspian. the Caspian and next to the fire, we were drinking a Chianti. And we were having this discussion about hourly workers. So, yeah. Um, no, I just said, like, you know, we brought up $15 an hour as a minimum wage. And everyone's like, that's that's never going to happen. I was like, I think it's got to happen at some point. I think it's one of those situations where it's just an, it's inevitable it's going to. I mean, everything's gone up in price point especially in you know your larger cities and, and larger markets that it's just it's impossible and so that kind of made me think about we have all these essential workers and you know i was reading a lot of articles when COVID first happened that people were like outraged at their companies because they were really scared at first and when the whole like is this big deal is not big deal where it was like pp was a big thing right like um we're, we're looking for pp it's all sold out we can't get it and companies are like we can't, sorry we can't help you and so people didn't want to come to work because they couldn't feel safe and the first people, the first groups that stood up were the unions that were, were, were there for, you know, worker unions, which is, I mean, their job. I mean, they're getting dues, they're getting paid. That's their job to look out for those people. It's their bread and butter, right? So, sure. um, and, and they, they stood up and got, and, and got, you know, PPE and, and made their workers feel safe. And they were the first persons, people to look at the market and be like, hey, you guys are making $3 under what the market is. Like when the union contract comes around, it's like, boom. So I think it starts a trend. I think like anything else on social media in the world, it flies around and gets hundred miles an hour and everyone sees how important they are. And it just is a snowball that gets rolling. And I think we're just seeing it happen. Um, now we could, there's all kinds of data points we can talk about. I'm sure Andy's going to bring up a few uh, that will, uh, you know, talk uh, uh, towards that or against that a little bit, but that, that's just what I, I, I've, I've seen, you know, from the market uh, in the past couple of years and, and the, the average worker and, and, I think they're everyone's starting to see how important they are, um, essential workers. So, yeah, and I, I think where I think where I take umbrage with the first of all, if if the Starbucks baristas want to unionize, great, one hundred percent. But the issue is, is one store in 
Sheboygan. But it's spreading. I mean, fairly enough, okay. right? It's happening in a couple other stores now, but go ahead. But when you pay your workers more, your prices, th those costs will be passed on to the consumer. Sure. Can we all agree on that? hundred percent. So Matt and I have had this discussion on minimum wage several times. If your aspiration is to have a minimum wage job, <laughs> then, you know, the, the minimum wage should get you in. It should also qualify with minimum skill, right? So I just need you to pull this lever. I just need you to pull this lever. Pull this lever. That's all I need you to do. What job is that, though? I, I The only argument I have with that, and that goes back to what Kelly was saying to me, is that what COVID exposed is that there's no menial jobs. There's no jobs where people are just pushing the lever. And when they're missing, no, I think when, they're COVID... missing when they're missing, then they're, they're not hitting the levers, you know, then it really affects the people that are, you know, in the offices with the big brains doing the work because they can't do the most basic things in their life you know so i i just that's that's the argument that i have is that maybe it's exposed that there is no menial jobs and well, that i think that it let me i think what it exposed is the actual the workplace right so i think it exposed that when you talked about we've lost workers have lost rights over 50 years i think you've also discounted that we're no longer a manufacturing society that our economy is not necessarily a manufacturing, that it has gone more to a service economy. Um, now, having said that, there's still need for those manufacturing jobs, those service jobs, you know, those types of things. And I 100% think, and, and by the way, this term essential worker, I think it's just gross, just all around. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I have not been a fan, but I have not like stopped and actually like the, how, I mean, yeah, I like, don't want to say entry level because there's bus where there's people that have been yeah, working in like, like 15 years. So it's a hard. And, and by the way, the, the businesses that we sell, like I call these and I think that what the coronavirus has done is it has highlighted the importance of what I call the micro dirty jobs. Like all these people that micro goes and visits that are dirty jobs, people that people don't want to do that. Oh, by the way, the guy that he's talking to that's, you know, chest deep in pig shit is uh, can buy and sell all four all three of us four times over but i think those jobs get labeled as essential because i think that over the last 20 to 40 years we pushed everybody to be to borrow from apollo creed be a doctor be a lawyer be an accountant 100 go, go do work that is not working with your hands go do work like that's why when you call a plumber or an HVAC or an electrician to come out to your house, you're probably paying a lot more mm -hmm. and it's probably taking a lot longer to get on their schedule because there's not as many of them because there's a generation that is moving out and that generation hasn't been replaced because that generation has been moved to go be a doctor, go be a lawyer, go be an accountant, go be, go work on your computer, go be my favorite, go be a leader of an organization. Go be an organizational leader. Um, and, you know, I, would tell, I would tell everyone. Sorry, I would. I would tell everyone. If, if I would go. First thing I would do is I would go to trade school. I would go to trade school and be a welder. In two years. Give me two years. Be a welder. Take that to me and get uh, you know a, a degree as you know online or whatever it is. Get a degree in business or an MBA. Put those two together. Rule the world. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, if we're if we're giving labor and job advice, which I, I think that 
I, I think Kelly and I are at least a hundred, you know, pretty competent at being able to do it. Matt, you're you're okay. Yeah. Thank you're, you. You're good on the worker side. Yeah, I'm uh, a worker guy. Yeah, but thank never, you. But my point is, Matt, is you've never, you know, had to hire anybody. You've never had no, to fire anybody. You've never not. had to be responsible to, right? it's not for. An aspiration I have. Yeah, but that's yeah, yes. not tough. It's not 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 a fun part. Yeah, you've sure. you've never had to be responsible for an employee that comes to you and says, "Hey, man, my car's broke down. Can you loan me five hundred bucks and I'll pay you back?" And being yes. put in a situation to where you're like, uh, okay, I'll deduct it from your paycheck, or I'm just going to give you the money, or you, you haven't necessarily been in that in that situation. Um, now, what I think that, um, but I, I do think that you've got some people on here that are qualified to talk about hiring, firing, people management, and what things have changed, and then, you know you being a school teacher has really been turned up on its head. Yeah. Uh, you know, my better half today had, this is, this is one of those funny things about the coronavirus is she had those professional development days yeah. that they said, well, we're going to do those virtually, yeah. but you have to do it from your classroom with your camera on the entire time. And so to me, that's kind of like, we're saying, all right, are you half pregnant? Because <laughs> <laughs> let's either it's either safe enough to get people together or it's not but it can't be okay i need you 50 people to show up to this building and sit in your own office but be on the screen or we can get together what i think that one of the things from the the virus has done is changed what is essential workplace so your wife matt used to have to go pre-coronavirus had to go to the office Mm -hmm. Kelly gave this statistic. One in 67 jobs was work from home. Now it's one in seven. I hope I got that. Yeah. Yep. I hope that got, that got that right. What it's done is it's I, the bank that I worked for in 2015 and 16. I was like, can can I just like work from home for a couple of days? Because I, I really don't like driving out here for an hour one way each way uh, because I feel like I'm rushed in the morning. I feel like I'm rushed getting home. If I could just, you know, maybe work from home, you'd probably get a couple extra hours of work from me on those days. Oh, no, 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 no. The work is here. You have to be here. <laughs> I drove by that building today on my way to lunch. There's probably 15 cars in the parking lot at the of headquarters of that, of that building. And so to me, what it's done is it's shifted the, the importance of the workplace. And so I'll be quiet. That's, that's no, where I, I, think I look that's at it a... essential. I think that, I mean, like just give an example. I have a, a good friend. I used to work at Farmers, uh, the help point in Olathe, and uh, I have a friend that still works for Farmers. And Farmers quickly found out that, you know, within six months, seven months of, of going through this, they realized quickly uh, that their statistics, you know, that their data, they were more efficient working in the model that we're currently in than, than having people on site and doing this cold, you know, insight, on site collaboration in front of people's situation. And they sold off the majority of their their buildings there in Olathe and operated in a much leaner situation than they did before. And I think that's just like one example of how, you know, everyone before was like, we got to be here. It's essential for us all to work together and build and collaborate in person. And, then, um, you know, I think that that's 180. If anything's 180, it's definitely, it's definitely that. <laughs> yeah. Now, the one thing you do miss when you're not around is the ball busting. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, because yeah. like I, I've got a I've got a friend that joined a he joined a, a company February 2020. 
And so he was going through orientation and in the office and then he's been home since. Well, you know, on Zoom calls, like kind of like the three of us before the we started recording, you know, we're chopping it up. We're breaking balls. You know, he doesn't get to do that because he doesn't have that relationship that is built at the water cooler or built in the hall. You know, you don't get to talk shit on your principal on a zoom call with, you know, with your buddy, but after you get out of the meeting and you're walking down the hall, you're like, Hey, did you hear, uh, did you hear Bill? Like just lose it in there? Like, cause you know, you, you don't get to build those types of relationships. And you don't get the gossip. You don't, you don't, I mean, especially in a corporate world, there's so much politics that goes around. I don't care who you work for. Like there's always politics in every organization. And so, you get to hear a lot about that stuff when you're in the office and kind of like get a little bit of a little, a little whiff, if you will, of the, uh, of the, uh, of the drama and all that stuff. So I, it's kind of enjoyable sometimes to have that. And when you're, when you're working from home, you don't, you don't see any of that. Like, you know, there's no, there's, there's no work drama. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's when you were, that's, when you were home. Yeah. Uh, d did you feel more connected or less connected to your students when you were standing in front of them? Oh, no, no, no. What's your preference on your teaching? I want to be careful because I, I think there's some common sense things that would say definitely, you know, Matt in person students got it. We'll cut no, that part out. No, no, no. That 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 in person, in person is going to be much much better overall. You know, when it comes to a connection based thing, relationship things. Um, but but now the only thing I will say to that is only how it is being done now is what I would say to that. Because we have no experience in how to give education on online, okay? And many people tried it, you know, and especially not when it comes to elementary and secondary education students, right? Yes, in college, it is something that's been going on for years now. These are adults, you know, typically it's something that, but I think some people don't really like them either. You know, it, it has to be the right student. But I also think like, the the problem with doing any kind of studies right now or doing any kind of look at, you know, how we taught, you know, online is that we we had no clue what we were doing, you know, and so and we tried to do the same things that ultimately we were doing in the classroom online and it was thrust upon us, you know, without any kind of preparation or any kind of going, OK, what would be the best practices, what would be, you know, the best kind of things to do. And so I do think there's students that this setting is so much better for and honestly that the the in the education system if using the system you know and doing it correctly and using this as in just another tool it could be great for kids great for kids that are in, on, that are in person right because we all know those kids you know that whether you guys you know maybe you haven't been in a classroom since you were at school but you knew Actually. those kids when you were at school that had no business being in there and they were keeping everyone from learning right i mean we know that i mean i hate to say it as a teacher you know but those are the kids that are keeping friends from learning and those kids honestly when we were in zooms if they we could get them there they did well, you know, like they did as good. I mean, easily as good, if that makes sense. You know, they were paying attention as much as they were in class. They were non-disruptive. If they were disruptive and started getting silly, you got this little mute button. You just hit mute, right? You don't have a mute button in school, you know, when you're in person and all that. You just go mute. I'm going to mute Johnny real quick so we can, I can tell you what's going on. And then let's talk to Johnny later, you know? So there's like, 
I, I do think it's really early on in, you know, this kind of education for young kids, but it's got some really good things about it. But I think on a connection level and, and on a just a, I think for most kids, you should be in person and, and you learn so much about just social, you know, behaviors and things you know, that you need to have that you don't get online either, you know, so, and kids are online enough. So two teacher questions. Teachers seem to be an area where, you know, maybe we're struggling to get people to hire in police officers, manufacturing jobs, you know, those types of things. We're, We're struggling to get people to hire in. Why do you think we're struggling to get people to hire in? And what are you seeing for the people that are leaving? What do you think is the reason why they're leaving? It, it's it is money and and it's it's you hate to say it and i think teachers ultimately hate to kind of just go there because it do, it sounds a little bit petty but ultimately people realize the level of stress the level of work they come out of school with very high and good intentions right and then they realize that man i just went to school for upwards of 5 years you know, and worked really hard to get this degree and I'm not making squat and I'm like dying and I'm looking at my friends who I went to school with, you know, who, yes, are also stressing out, but they're they're making double of what I'm making, you know, and so there is, you know, some but, things about teaching that are great. Let me ask I, you what, so, but why does the money matter? I know <laughs> that that's, a, I know that that's not really a, I know that might seem like a funny question, but if you like the work, the money comes and goes. Believe me, money comes and goes. Like, it, it, I've had very high-paying jobs. I've had very low-paying jobs. Sure. And I think that, and I'm speaking for myself here, but the money, yeah, it matters. And it does, okay. it does factor into, oh, I really, really like this job, but damn, I can't pay for it. Um, I can't live the lifestyle that I want to live on this wage, but there's also been money. There's also been jobs where I've made, I'll, I'll say it at H and R block. I made well into the six figures and I worked well into the sixties and seventy hours a week. And I was very, very unhappy. And every time I, you could offer to quit and you know what they do. Hey, how about 15 grand? Well, okay, I guess I'll take that. And then at some point the money was just like, fuck, just no, no more. Like I need, I need to not be here. I need to not be here all the time. I need to be able to go to the gym. I need to be able to go do something. Yes. And I just think the argument the teachers would make is that they're putting in, you know, maybe not 60, but 50, you know, hours or so, uh, you know, and they're never having that problem of ever going like, you're giving me too much money to do all this extra work and the stress and the, you know, so again, that I guess is the piece where the money so when you take all the things equal and you look at your buddy over here who went into, you know, finance or whatever it was and is stressing out and is working very hard and is struggling and got high blood pressure. And then you look at yourself and you're struggling very hard and you're working all the time and you've got high blood pressure. The only thing that's unequal between the two of you is the wallet. Right. And so there is a level of like that has to come and it's not despite, I think sometimes we, we get in these conversations and it becomes like, I want you to make less money so I can make more. I mean, it's not, it's never that. And then I would also say like, 
that well, goes back our, to that. Just for our little organization here, I do get 51% and you get 49%. So I do get well, more than you. We're, we're still, I've got to talk to Kelly about that. <laughs> yeah. Still, hey, so. Kelly, what do you think about, where's money playing? And we're going to have to look at our union contract before yeah. we really get uh, it. Yeah. Exactly. Matt's trying to unionize two C's. Um, <laughs> What do you, but, what do you feel just, with one, uh, one thing before we go to Kelly though? Let me go, let me go money and then lifestyle, right? So the lifestyle would be the other piece, right? And so it is harder to teach now. The account the accountability and the level of expectation out of teachers is, and you can again check with check with Kara on that and she'll tell you, you know, like it is out of control what they expect out of teachers without the compensation on top of it, right? So that becomes the other piece. But okay, back to Kelly. No, yeah. I just I, I think that we talk about teachers. The first my my wife was a teacher. Still, she she's a teacher. She's been a teacher for fifteen years or whatever. But she just went into administration, so I can't call her a teacher anymore. She still is a teacher or whatever. But um, so education, so I, yeah. So I kind of know from that, but one of the things that makes me think of is just, is reading that one of the hardest hit areas or groups of people was the, um, the, uh, the women. I think that women basically with the, the childcare issues that have happened in the past year and a half of trying to figure that out and the cost of that's gone up. I think that that has been a big, uh, a big factor that how many people have talked about is there's a lot of women that, uh, um, you know, have not been in the workforce for the past year because during this whole situation, they either like needed to stay home and do that or whatever it might be. And I don't mean to, uh, you know, generalize or whatever, but that's just it's a statistic that I saw and I've seen it myself. Um, you know, we've had friends that are that are teachers that took a year off um, and went back and are still not comfortable with, you know, having, you know, new children in the, and going back to the workforce and putting their, new, their, their child in daycare. And so it's just, it's a crazy time um, right now for that. So I think that's a statistic that gets overlooked that I don't see it talked about very often. It's a great, great point. And, yeah. and teaching is a women dominated, you know, yeah. it, you know, field and by, by for sure, you know? And so, yeah, I think that that's my wife. I, I think, yeah, she works from home, but right when my kids were going to school from home, right. That also meant that she was teaching, you know, in yeah. some ways, or at least she was managing them along with her job, which was highly stressful and highly hard for her. And I think that's where you go, you know, us as teachers get real frustrated. Like we just, you know, like in Chicago, they're going, Hey, we just need a couple weeks y'all to, you know, and, and there's parents in the and parents are going, uh, no, like we, we need we need to go to work and we can't you know you are who we depend on for that to make that happen and so it does you know that's the piece that i think right it it does and, and women and that falls on women so much more ultimately you know i think than men in this case you know well and i think that brings up kelly brings up a really good point and you know we kind of talked about the cost of things you know i mean the fact of the matter is is that um if you're working for $20 after you a week after you paid for your kids childcare what's the point of actually going to work right if you're upside down working because you have to pay for childcare you're making more money sitting at home <laughs> correct not going you know and oh by the way so you know it, it childcare but, stunts people like we we yeah. had to wait right to get out of our house which we had outgrown completely um, at the time, and we really were close to being able to afford it, but we had to wait until our kids were, till we fully had gotten our kiddo out of paid childcare before we really felt comfortable to move up housewise because, again, yeah, childcare is so astronomically expensive, you know. And not to get off like prices, but to take off my HR hats, just put on the dad and husband hat real quick. But I feel like that 
you know, one of my biggest thoughts in this whole, you know, pandemic situation or whatever you want to call it for the whatever it is now, an endemic or whatever, uh, not good with my scientific uh, classifications. <laughs> um, but uh, I think that, you know, anxiety is big for I think everyone, everyone I know has at least some type of, you know, anxiety that through this whole situation, I think everyone's had to rethink kind of what's important, whether it be like you said, your drive to work. Uh, is it really worth it? Spend more time, you know, with my family as all these bad things are happening in the world. Um, I think that's a, a, a big thing to look at. And I think that you start looking at, do I need to do this? Do I need to be to, to you know, um, take this risk of doing this or that, of being in front of people, being around people? I, you know, I think that is leading people's lifestyle changes. I think that's something that is hard to classify and qu quantify with data right now. Um, you know, we don't have exit interviews Oh yeah, I have anxiety and I don't really feel like doing this. Like that's not going to be on an exit interview that we're going to have data to show like here's what's going on. Right. Uh, so we know polls aren't really uh, accurate as we've learned the past few years. So um, right. You know, it's it's there's just a lot going on that data can't quantify. And I think you know, and I, I don't know if we're going to end up getting to like what the future holds or what it looks like based on what we're going through. But I think that's definitely a discussion. It's like I honestly believe that at some point we're going to look back in ten years and be like, man, that changed everything. Yeah. Like not, yeah, I, I mean, even if the pandemic's over with in a, in a year and everything's back to, no, I don't think it's ever going to go back to normal. Cause I think that we're in a time where it, I think it, it changed how everything's going to work going forward. I don't know what that looks like. Um, I yeah, wish I, I did. I, I'd invest. I um, agree a hundred percent because, you know, again, like I said, you know, on my, my commute, which by the way, I don't even really mind my commute anymore because it's kind of the podcast, nice, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just 30 minute, like now I'm driving to an office and it's 30 minutes. But it's an unstressful 30 minute drive. I'm driving the speed limit. It, you know, it's not, you know what I mean? Like when before, when you're sitting in rush hour traffic and you're jamming yeah. on the brakes and then you're going and you're jamming on the brakes and you're, you're going 25 on the highway and you're jamming on your brakes. And then somebody decides that they need four lanes over because God forbid that they get over when they need their, their exit, you know, like, um, but now it's, you're, you're cruising. But I do. I drive by some large organizations that have very, very empty parking lots. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is also part of what has gone into this great resignation to a lot of those. And I'm just going to call them computer based jobs. Right. So my job, Deanna's job is largely on her screen. My job is I, I have to be out meeting people on the phone, but a lot of it's on the screen. Um, you know, Kelly, I, I would imagine that, you know, your a lot of your job is on the screen. You probably your job's probably easier when you're able to meet people face to face and you're able to talk to your hiring managers face to face and candidates. But a lot of the work, your work product is done on a computer. Um, I think that that has also lended itself to part of this different structure of work. Cause like I was talking to my sister today and you know, Eagle fan Bex yeah. up there in philly eagle, big eagle, fan. eagle yeah big eagle fan huge eagle uh, fan they're uh, in the playoffs good for them yeah eagle That's... fan backs i need to send you the uh the God picture of her. being a huge eagle fan throwing batteries booing santa claus she's all in she's all in tradition yeah. tradition yeah. Yeah. tradition yeah she's 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 really grasped the culture of that organization <laughs> uh yeah it's yeah she the only player she actually likes is jason kelsey the rest of them are bums so yeah Right. Um, no, that all makes sense. Yeah. But she was saying, well, you know, I, I started with this company and I, I don't know that I'd really like it. And I'm just like, so go somewhere else or call the company that you work for in the other city because they probably have a remote job that you can that you can apply for. And 
you know, I mean, I think that that is going to be the massive thing that comes out of this coronavirus thing 10 years to your point, Kelly, 10 years down the road is how do we do our work and where do we do that from? I think that's going to be right. one of the biggest change because that, that bank that I talked about that had to have me there five days a week from 8 a.m. to 12 with a one hour lunch clock out of clock back in at one and leave at five. Their parking lot's empty. They were forced to change. And then they probably learned that, oh, you know what? The Kelly, the talent acquisition manager, he's I guess he doesn't have to be here to have somebody telling him exactly what to do, when to do it. That he, he wow, this guy actually got his work done. You know, I think yeah. that's. That's the big thing. But the, yeah. those teachers, yeah. they have to be on site because they're not <laughs> going to get their work done. <laughs> well, yeah, that's... It's, it's, a, it's a change. I mean, I, I think that the, the problem, the, 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 the challenge that companies have right now is, like I said before, when this whole hit, you had, a, you had the ones that didn't make it because they didn't have the vision. And now you, so there's a lot of decisions being made. And, and I think the companies that are going to succeed. It's are okay, the ones... Kelly. You can say Smoothie Factory. It, it's all right. Everybody knows. <laughs> you can, you can say it, man. Go ahead. Say it. It's fine. We're okay. No, I just, I feel like, I feel like that now is the time where decisions are going to be made. And it's really going to be important for companies to be creative, change the way they do things. I think that I, I heard a, I heard an entrepreneur say the two most important things if you would have asked him uh, five years ago if you want to tell someone going to college what 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 does my son need to major in what do I need to do and he said um, number one engineering number two engineering like it was like that you go to in, go to get an engineering degree that's going to be the most successful thing that's going to take you wherever you need to go now he said it's going to change completely now I would say um, creative writing. I would say that that's a big one. I would say writing, communication, and then I would say the other big one is some type of, uh, you know, uh, video production. Because uh, right now everything is going to be digital going forward. Digital is the, is the big boom. It's the big thing for talent acquisition. I, you know, I, I've I've been a part of different calls where it's like digital. The digital boom is happening. That's going to be the most important thing going forward. Companies need to be able to tell you who they are in a creative way. And that's what's going to be able to attract people to the company. Now, it's not necessarily going to be salary because everyone's going to be able to match whatever you're going to want to do at that point. Um, that's just the game, right? But what, what we're going to have to digitally attract, uh, you know, candidates in um, and, and customers into our organization. And I think that's what everyone's going to have to focus on moving forward. And I think that you've got a group of you know leaders right now that are probably i don't know i'm just going to go on a limb and say probably majority of them are part of a boomer organization that haven't really had a boomer a generation that haven't had to really like lead people through a time like this and their thought process of like what's worked in the past or what the solutions were up to this point were x at every organization they've been in but now we're at this crossroads where it's like x isn't going to work and they're like i mean I don't, I don't know. I don't <laughs> like, know what to I, do here. Can I make a statement and get your response as to what you, I'm going to make a statement. And I want to get your response kind of from a corporate talent acquisition, HR. Yeah. So I'm going to say that culture is the most important criteria of an organization. I would say yes. I would say that's probably number one, especially right now. I think that the, the, all the companies I've been in, organization I've been in, you can tell by the way they operate how their culture works. It's really important, whether you're focusing on diversity, uh, which can be so many. Everyone says diversity, and they think of a couple of things. But diverse, diversity is a large umbrella of things that go underneath an organization. Does it include wooden ships, old wooden old ships? Wooden, old leather-bound books? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Send me out. No, um, so I think that's I think that's a big thing that I that's going to be a push going forward too. Is you talk about you talk about culture and cultures like you know I'm if if I'm a candidate a candidate looking for a diverse organization, I can tell pretty quickly nowadays if it is or isn't. And I think that's something that is going to be a number one push going forward. Because like I said, you're all going to be paying the same because everyone's going to be able to match whatever you're going to do, right? I think that's going to be across the board. Everyone's going to have remote work opportunities, so that's going to be a check, right? You get to the point where your culture is going to be pointed out pretty quickly. So you have to have a good culture, and you have to be able to speak to it, which is where I said the uh, you know, the uh, communications, video, I think that the graphics, I think all that stuff's going to come into play to be able to tell, to tell that story, I think, is the big thing going forward, is how can we tell our story? What's our story? And how can we tell yeah. our story? And that's, you know, the culture part. Well, you know, and one of the things used to be the energy of the building, energy in the building, right? You walk in, you hear sports teams talk about it. You walk the energy in the locker room, the energy in the building. But, you know, you can walk into some of these skyscrapers of, uh, I'll just, I'll straight up say H&R Block. I was invited back for something. Um, for a gala? I, a gala, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was a dedication of a conference room to uh, a colleague that, sadly passed away um and they were nice enough to invite me back and while i was there and had access through the building i took the opportunity to walk around and say hello to people i hadn't seen in a while can i just stop and say that just the fact that you were invited to a conference room dedication speaks to how good of a dude you are can i just thank say you. that without like oh, being you. weird too weird here thank but, you yeah. man i yeah. i appreciate it um <laughs> so uh, true but when i walked around that building the toxicity that just oozed from the cubicles like everybody was head down and and what i everybody was head down uh, and not head down working in a good way but head down like please don't notice me and fire me um the shuffle paper when someone walks by yeah exactly hey. and then, give, then give I, me some give me someone why why are we waiting to get someone yeah, like that whole thing exactly yeah. yeah they're on the phone oh no 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 no, no. <laughs> idiot you know but then you walk into another organization and people are bumping around they're you know they're there's energy, there's pep in their step, yeah. everybody's, you know, enjoying their work, you know, and that's where I see, okay, it speaks to the culture because every, I don't care who you are, where you work, there's going to be something that's a pain in your ass. And it's so like, there, you don't, do you, right. I mean, you, 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 you got to fix your problems, right? So right. if you're a teacher and you don't like the pay, well, maybe that's part of one of the problems that you picked, right? You pick the, Hey, I know what my salary is going to be. As soon as I graduate college, I know that in year one with this education, there's a, there's a chart. There's a matrix. Yeah, there's there's yeah. a salary matrix. There's a salary matrix where yeah. if you're in sales, okay, we've got a salary matrix too. Um, your comp is this. This is your guarantee, your downside guarantee. And then here's your commission level. Go sell. Okay, mm-hmm. well, if you don't sell, you don't eat. If you don't sell, you don't get any money. Uh, but you may love the work and you got flexibility and you've got all these other things. So, you know, I think that a lot of times that I think the thing is, is that when you are young, you chase the money. Uh, actually, I'll say when you're when I was young, I chased the money that the first thing I wanted to know about a job was how much is this going to pay? And as I got older, it wasn't even necessarily how much is it going to pay, but more about what's the lifestyle I'll be able to live who are the people will be working with who, what type of, will I enjoy the work that I'm doing or am I going to, Oh God, I got to get up. So, 
you know, I think that that's one of the things out of this great resignation is that to your point earlier, Kelly, that people have taken stock of really what's important and they've really kind of taken a step back and said, what do I, you know, I could die tomorrow. You know, when people are real close to death, their perspective changes as far as like, I could, I could die tomorrow. Do I really want to be working at XYZ company, working on TPS reports and, you know, the cover <laughs> sheet and Bill Lumberg as my boss, or do I want to maybe take a 10% pay cut and go do this and this and this, or, you know, cause one of the things I'm also seeing, you know, when we get into the, like the Starbucks stuff, man, is I'm seeing like 23 year old bachelor of business administration, people working at Starbucks. Right. It's not the degree. It's, it's the individual. The indiv and we have friends in our life that have much higher degrees and have degrees, but their jobs that they have chosen to do for one reason or another do not match that degree. So I think there's, you know, I know when you, I know you jump on me all the time when I'm like, look, this is an individual decision. Somebody, you got to, if you don't like your situation, go find a different situation where you do like it. Yes. But again, then no one's teaching, right? Then no one's doing some of these jobs. I mean, ultimately. But you are famous for on this show saying capitalism <laughs> will find a way. So if there are not enough teachers, guess what? There's this thing called supply and demand. So when the supply is low, the demand is high. I don't the, know. The though, pay that, will. The pay will. The pay will been, come up. Indeed. So, so we're on it. We'll test in that theory then right now because they're ultimately bringing in people off the streets right now to just man up. We had a bus. We had to call. So we. You've probably maybe been reading about it or hearing about it in some places, and I probably follow a little more education stuff than I others. I try to avoid the news during playoff season. I don't blame yeah. you. I don't yeah. blame you. Um, but one of the things that's been the big deal is buses, right? And getting kids to school. So today, I, and I had been hearing this, but I hadn't, it hadn't been affecting us today. I had, you know, at least six, seven kids gone in each class. And sure enough, we're missing buses and they had to cancel them and tell kids that, you know, we can't get you to school. You're going to have to be online. Just look at your Google classroom, do your assignments there because there's no people. So, you know, again, I think, that that is the question is it do can we make individual choices but then if we're okay but then there's no school bus drivers you know then right. there's going to have to be some choices that are people are going to have to also understand is that okay you got you, we got to start taking our kids to school or we have to pay more money to school bus drivers and if that means more taxes or if that means better allocation to, to folks to, to entice them to do that job then it is what it is you know but i, I just think that that's like the other way to look at it is, can we take care of everyone ultimately? You know, can we, does this moment let us know that there really isn't anyone that should be making a, a cavillion dollars and there isn't anyone that should be making a minimum wage, that they're ultimately, we all have value and that it's important that everyone can live, you know, if you I think you actually just put the value on those people though. <laughs> what do you mean? The one that's making a cabillion dollars is worth it. Their value is a cabillion dollars. The one that's making minimum wage, their value is minimum wage. But I, but that's what I'm saying. You like, did just put a value on it. No, but that's but that's what what I'm saying is is that neither one of them deserve that value. Is what I'm saying. Is what I'm saying. Is that there is something in the middle there for everyone that everyone ultimately you know is is paid if they're doing a job that that's valuable to society is paid in a way that they can make a a, a 
I don't know. You know that so they what, have. What makes a Starbucks barista valuable to society? Andy, again, why why is there a line outside? You know the the, the you can't even pull into the Starbucks. You know, so I don't there know. There you go. I don't, That's I don't what know. makes it valuable. Exactly. So take care it. of those people. That's why they're unionizing, right? They're going, you need us. You need us. Because again, if you don't, you, you know, you can barely handle the people you got coming in here right now without us, you know? And so ultimately, and they do, I, I'm sorry. Like if, if you are Starbucks, you make a better coffee, right? You're literally saying to people that we make a product that's a high premium product. So you're saying that these people who make fancy coffees, aren't as valuable, you know, as people who make fancy, I don't know, whatever it is that, that they get paid well for or that they might unionize for, you know? So, I mean, I guess that's the difference, you know, to me is like, I, I don't know. Kelly, you know, is your place a union shop or not? Uh, there are parts of, um, there are parts of our company in certain areas that, uh, that do have union. Are they required to join the union when they hire on? Um, I don't think so, but I know how that works. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it's like you pledge a uh, fraternity. It's like, well, you don't have to go through the ritual hazing part, but uh, we, uh, <laughs> we would like if you did, which means that you're going to. So I think that's kind of how that sort of, I've worked in a few union shops where they haven't been that way, but it's, 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 yeah, you're 99%. Yeah. Cause I, I think so. they work when everyone. Yeah. You know, everyone is part of it. And this is the other thing they agree on the direction. And I think that that's where, you know, so like if you have a union shop, but only 30% or 50% or 70% join the union, then, and you, and, and then they can't get along. I think that's where it, it loses its, that's where it loses its impact. A hundred percent. Yeah, and that's, and that's it, what happens with teachers for sure. And I think that with the uh, to Matt's point earlier, I, I guess I just hope when we're talking about the future future outlook on this, I just I hope that this conversation of what's important, what's not, what what's what are important jobs, what's not. I just I feel like that I hope in the future, like in this whole thing, my hope is that we get that figured out a little bit as society and sort of like I sort of feel like that you know uh, this is sort of like this whole time is kind of the social context has been rewritten by 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 these workers you're talking about because I, I feel like that they're rewriting what's important what's not and, and andy you said that like obviously demand makes things an, an, an essential if you will or important job um but i also think um i, I had this discussion the other day and I, i'll get your guys opinion on this i feel like a, a flip has happened i feel like a correction has happened in society like and I don't know if this pertains to this, but like, you know, our, our, our parents bought houses in like 1983 right, or 1982. Bought houses in 1982. Every year, those things improved like 4%. Like, you know, like, like all of a sudden, they own like a $600,000 house. Like they might pay $200,000 in like 83. Like my question was like, where's that gone? Like, where's that happen? Now? Like we buy a house and then like, you know, it, it's worth just kind of the same after five years. And granted, the recent like past few years has been the, a definite you know increase in home values and everything else but it's like is this sort of a market correction like should we have been here 10 years ago 15 years ago and now we're getting here is that because it was very stagnant for like 20 years across the board markets uh you know labor markets everything else has been just as stagnant as can be uh in comparison is this is this a great instead of it being called like a 
great resignation? Is this a great recorrection of everything in, across the board? Yeah, and I think you I think you bring up a great point because it does it it has forced companies to. When I was a consultant, there was a like all consultants do. There's a that nice little four box chart of what's the value. <laughs> How many times are we doing this, right? So there's a matrix that says, look, if something is unique and valuable, you do it manually. If there's something that is, you do it a ton and it has low value, you either eliminate it or you automate it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's, you know, or you standardize it, there's, there's a, a chart based on the tasks and the activities. And so I think that to your point, companies are finding out what really are the important things that we need a person to do? Uh, for example, I sat in line today for gas because it's going to snow tomorrow. I needed gas. Now, the other people that were there probably didn't need gas, but, you know, God forbid they have a half tank of gas and it snows. <laughs> um, but I remember when I first started driving that I would have to call on an intercom have the guy turn the pump on for me, fill up, walk in, pay him, walk back out and leave. I had an app on my phone. I scanned a QR code. It had my credit card stored. I pushed the button. I filled up. I was gone in two minutes. Mm -hmm. Is yep. it important for me to walk in to put that order in? You go into a McDonald's today to put your order in, you, you punch it up on a kiosk Ugh. half the time. Is yeah, no, we had that happen to us over over uh, Christmas break. We walked into our first McDonald's and had that happen. I was like, "Oh, what is this? This is this is a whole new world. This is like a Tom Cruise movie." Well, exactly. Like, take a place like Walmart, right? So they don't have cashiers Ugh. anymore, right? They used to have cashiers. Now it's all self checkout. But they've replaced those jobs with people that put their order in online and have curbside delivery, right? So you. You go into if you actually go into a Walmart or a Hy-Vee or a Price Chopper or whatever, the vast majority of people in the aisles with the carts, they're employees of that place. Mm -hmm. So companies are going to figure out what jobs require a human and what can do what can be a computer. <laughs> Which leads us into a whole nother conversation, fellas. I and mean, we can get into a conversation of what happens when the Teslas of the world take over and the jobs in the world disappear. Does that lead us to a universal income? Can we uh, can we bring yes. you back to have that conversation? <laughs> yeah. We're gonna, we're going to bring you back. That's going to be that's going to yeah. be your. I mean, that's uh, a whole other discussion of universal income of how that would how that's going to work society wise and how it's going to. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole other. That's a bag. Talking of now. We're right. talking. So we're we're running low on time, but I promised Kelly we would get some sports talk in here. Oh yeah, yeah. Ooh, Let's do, okay. it. do that. So, um, it was it was Black Monday, um. Several NFL coaches getting fired. Yeah. Um, rapid rapid fire. Yeah. What is the best open position job right now? Oh, the best open position? And, um, golly. Um, well, let's see here. Let's kind of go through them. So you got uh, Minnesota. Not the Giants. <laughs> not the Giants. I would, probably, I would say that, you know, I'd say draft, draft position talent-wise – I would say probably Chicago is probably should be up there as, a, as one of the top ones to get just based on the talent. They, their, their coach has been so bad. Uh, you know, I think that Justin Fields, I think if someone got a hold of him and actually explained how to play quarterback in the NFL the right way, I don't know if Eric, someone like Eric Beanie would be a good, you know, spot for that job, knock on the wood. But um, 
I think that's probably one of the top ones. I what would about say. Minnesota? Uh, Minnesota probably again in, probably in the top three. I would say. Yeah. I'd say that's they've got a lot of talent as well. I think that uh, uh, you know I think that they're right behind. What? Who of the coaches that got fired? Who is the most viable candidate to get another coaching job? I'm bad with names, but probably the Miami coach. Yeah, I was thinking. Uh, I, I think I think it's one of those situations, and I could be wrong. I don't know the gentleman personally, obviously, but I, I would say that I think that the issues that he had are correctable. I don't think his issues are like an X's and O's or like a you know um, aptitude to do something like you see with other coaches. Like clearly, uh, in the NFL, you need a different set of of tools to work, and I think that he's got them. He just is went about it the wrong way and he's not really good didn't work work well with the people that were there so i think that his his issues that he had i think are correct well i think he'd be really successful it's funny how that belichick tree outside of Brable, and i don't even know if Brable's really on the belichick tree outside of that belichick tree hasn't really had a lot of uh and it goes back to our culture conversation like if you read the article about brian flores who i was i was very surprised that flores got let go. And I would have answered the same thing. Um, at living the dream, great friend of the show really wants a Brian Flores, Deshaun Watson, uh, unionization in Denver. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how much I love that. Um, but, uh, that, that's his, that's his hope. But I, I thought Brian Flores was a really good coach, but it sounded like it was a culture thing, which, you know, when you kind of come off Belichick, like say what you want about Belichick, he probably has a really, really good culture for him. But people that try to emulate his style elsewhere, it probably doesn't work. Um, so speaking of Deshaun Watson, does he get to pick his own coach in Houston, bring him back, uh, activate him, or what, what do we see happening there? I just think I think Deshaun's Watson Watson situation is just a powder keg that has. I think it's 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 in one of those lockers, like those you know uh, you know. Uh, you know army lockers that has like caution tape on it and look no one really wants to go near it yet even though you know i don't know how true all these accusations he has against him are i mean it's always you know you're until proven guilty I, I always believe that but you know i think that that's a toxic situation that no one wants to touch i i, I saw yeah. so many nfl people say oh yeah he'll be back by middle of the year and then like week six comes it's like no word and then like I just don't I don't see that being corrected anytime you just soon. wonder if it's like the NFL's gotta make a move why isn't the NFL so built on stars and protecting stars and, and, and wanting to, you know, increase their product? Like, why haven't they jumped in and said, dude, let's get this moving. Let's figure out how yeah. to fix this situation. Uh, you know, 100 percent. Right. So it's either like, hey, can we either can we either say that this guy is going to get charged and we're going to suspend him for, you know, I mean, Brady got six games for deflating a, a football. So whatever, whatever we're going to oh, give this geez. guy uh, or, hey, you know, there's. You know what? Give him four games. We'll call him good, and then yeah, because it mean, gets hard. It gets hard in these moments, right? Because that's where they get caught. You know, in the middle, because there's no, they don't know what to do. The yeah. Ezekiel Elliott situation was kind of like that too, right? Where it was like there's accusations, but we don't really know, and it takes a long time for the process to play itself out legally. So NFL wants to be careful because, again, speaking of unions, right? I mean, they are dealing with a player union that is going to say, listen, you that dude has done nothing. So as far as, you know, with it, there's a shit ton of accusations and it looks really bad for old boy. But here's the deal. Like until there's any legal, you know, real legal charges, then our, our rep, you know, our union player here should not 
be being treated any any way different, you know. So it's a it's a tricky thing. I agree with Kelly that I think it would take it has to be the right place that would even attempt it. And I part of me almost wants Denver to give that a shot because I I I don't think that without a strong head coach, right? Like I don't love this idea of bring in a coach with Deshaun Watson and you know like I, I to me it would be a thing like already an established place. Well, Matt, I, gonna, that I need it. to caution you just real quick. Like you Pittsburgh. are definitely, you, you're on thin ice with that living the dream. I know. Uh, I'm sorry, buddy. Based I'm, on the embarrassing Twitter argument that you guys got on, it, <laughs> it hurt me and the rest of the staff. I didn't know. like that. HIV um, get honest about that one. That was bad. The, I mean, uh, are we really that, afraid of Deshaun Watson? Well, the fact point? that this is a team, this is an organization that's going to have a new owner, GM, and coach and presumably quarterback, if we're talking about NFL organizations, those are probably the four most uh, important. If yeah. you rank the order of importance, they, they've got no. the top four that are the most important. They're going to be changing out. You know, and you look at it, a, a, to me, continuity is huge. That's why when yes. you've got someplace like Miami that's turning over guys like Brian Flores and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're firing their coach after two or three years they're never going to be successful because like you look at Pittsburgh, I mean, Mike right. Tomlin is Pittsburgh's had what three coaches in their entire history. And okay. So Mike Tomlin's had some down years, but he's never finished below 500. But to me, that's the place for Watson. You've got that guy, Andy Reed here in Kansas city. We're blessed to have a guy like Andy Reed that, that, you know, is, is leading the organization. Say what you want about him, Sean Payton and, you know, Sean McVay, um, you know, Belichick, of course. I mean, you look at the the teams that are doing well in the NFL, and they probably all have a similarity in common in that they've got a, a head coach that's been there for a, a while. Yeah, and, and a lot of times those head coaches have had a little bit of a struggle. It's culture. And I, I, Deshaun, I mean, going back, and I don't mean to – but Deshaun Watson's of the world, the uh, – you know, Lamar Jackson of the world, I had this argument the other day, like, who who – who, what style of quarterback like that has won a Super Bowl? I think Who, that's who's fair. gone to a Super Bowl of that of that group besides Colin Kaepernick? Like besides Colin Kaepernick, which that Niners team was good. Um, yeah. Outside of that, like who can you depend on that style of style of quarterback? I can, I can't. It, the, Lamar Jackson won MVP. It's fantastic, but uh, to me, until someone shows me that you can make a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl with that quarterback, I'll never. With a running quarterback, yeah. And like, Watson yeah. is a little never. more of an arm guy, you know. But agree, agree in some ways. But I mean, it's still. I mean, they're not. Yeah, see, Mahomes, I would put Mahomes Watson, is as close as you can get. I think. I, I yeah. would put Watson and Mahomes and Allen, Josh Allen, in the same, in in a similar category. Um, you know, they can all hurt you with their legs, but I I think that Lamar is programmed to run first. Right. You know. Um, and maybe that's the piece, right? That's the difference. If you've got a run first guy, it becomes very yeah. difficult, you know, I think overall, or uh, unless you've got that just unique, very unique talent of can also it's, throw. It's one of the think... things about Mahomes is that he, right. you know, the past few years is that like for me, one of the frustrations, and I can't even believe that I would say this, uh, I it's the most mild of frustrations because, well, it's Patrick Mahomes, but mm -hmm. that there were times this year where I wish he would have ran more. Yeah. That he didn't run. I think and, you'll see probably that more hopefully in this playoffs, you know, and I, yeah. I did hear someone talking about like, he does some sort of wild, like workouts and stuff where he's basically like playing tag and all this stuff. And they were talking to his trainer that like, 
said, dude, yeah, he's way faster than it, he's ever really shown. And like, he's, he's more, he's way faster than like, I guess they had him at over 20 miles an hour, 21, 22 miles an hour, you know, in, in a practice facility type situation, you know? So like, he's quicker and more elusive than right. He's given probably credit for in some ways. And in some yeah. ways that's just kind of goes to show like how talented and amazing he is. Cause that's just one, you know, part of his repertoire. Well, you know, I think the, uh, it's going to be a good playoffs this year. I think that this, this year, if you ask me of these 14 teams that are in, I'd probably tell you nine of them could win it. Yeah. I, I'd agree with that. I could tell you nine of them could win it. Um, that I wouldn't if, be surprised of. But if you tell me that the Raiders, if you, if you, if I woke up out of a coma on Monday and you told me the Raiders beat the Bengals and you told me that, um, that uh, uh, Patriots, New England, yeah, New, New England won, I would be like, that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be upset either. No, I, I, that's my, actually my dream scenario. But if you told me that happened, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I wouldn't be upset. Yeah. Don't tell my sister, but I've got uh, the Eagles as not one of those teams that are going to win. <laughs> they could win the Super Bowl. I think, I think they're the weakest of everyone for sure. Uh, yeah. If the, the if board. the Eagles were to win the Super Bowl, I would be very, very surprised. And that's what uh, Vegas tells me too. So yeah. I mean, Just beat the Bucks. Though. How great from, would that if be? If any team from Pennsylvania Bucks, wins, I would be, uh, I would be very surprised. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, so we'll enjoy the games, boys. Kelly, yeah. thanks for joining us, man. This was awesome. Amazing. Uh, really appreciate Thank you so much. You, uh... Hey, thanks for having me on. I, I've, I've, you know, it's one of those things where I've been on, I've been on a couple of, of deals before, but I knew that you guys would be a great time, and I really look forward to being on again and discussing yeah. sports, HR, yes. the world, whatever. Absolutely. Gonna, we can't, we can't wait to have <laughs> you on. Uh, we may read some of your tweets. Um, oh God! Oh geez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it'll geez. be. It'll be uh, <laughs> your tweets. We'll read some of Matt's uh, Trump tweets. Oh, um, yes. All right. Cardinals, Cardinals and Trump tweets. It'll be oh, the, uh, oh, man. Kelly, Kelly's got some fantastic KU tweets out there. KU, perfect. Love them. Speaking, uh, spe yeah, speaking of, uh, not to, speaking of uh, in trouble, when's that going to come down? Not to like, you know, go back into like the whole legal They'll never thing. get no trouble, back? dude. They're untouchable. <laughs> They're not going to do nothing to them. You know they ain't. They done. They already paid the, the court system off, too. They already. <laughs> got them adidas tennis shoes and like and, and a, one, a one last thing one last thing uh is kim anderson available again <laughs> exactly <laughs> can we get him back bring him back heck yeah bring quinn snyder back, bring quinn back. I never the, kim, I... the kim that mizzou needs and then I, I really do need to jump uh, kimmy kimmy yeah it's not kim anderson no it's, it's it starts with another vowel that's the, that's the dude yeah me kim kimmy, english kimmy, man kimmy english man kim uh, english that's george yeah. is it george mason is that where's that I uh, forget. I thought he did get a head coaching job, but that man, that's that's the guy, dude. I was, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he's ready yet. Um, but I, I I would love to have that guy back. I think Mizzou needs to just put as much cash as they can and go get someone that they probably shouldn't get. Well, dude. Um, so we got to jump off here, man. But yep. um, you have an open invite to the parade for the uh, the Super Bowl this year uh, with, right. with Matt and I. So yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm there. I'm there. Love to have you at the parade. Yeah, exactly. All, All right, right, guys. Have Thanks, a great guys. weekend. Appreciate Thank you, you guys again. Really appreciate it. And uh, go Chiefs. Go there Chiefs. Go. Later. All right. See you guys.